You know, guns don't kill people. Stupid mother with gun kill people. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you sixty thousand dollars. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Hey, what are you doing, Bob Euchre on there? Nobody's listening anyway. All kinds of people are listening. What do you think, Greg? Guardians. Guardians, yes, we're something. SP Futures down four, and SP Futures down four and a quarter. Now Futures down at 45 as Powell goes in front of Congress this week give his uh, line of BS to them, and then they try and make a name for themselves, and then just when they get to somewhere good, they tell them their time's up, and you go to the next person, doesn't follow up on anything, and just goes on to some other stupid topic that maybe they think their condition, con- constituents might want to make no difference. Sound a little bitter over there, Chief. Well, I just how, lo- how long do you think before the Fed chairman forgets he was even there? I like making even it out a the door? game. <laughs> like making it a game, you know? Yeah. Drink if he says uh, transitory. Drink if he says it. Yeah. We could <laughs> do have that. a lot more fun. Yeah. Actually, let's do it together. We'll do a shot, shot if he says transitory. Well, no, that game, didn't he retire that name? Yeah, that was retired a few months ago. Um, yeah. It was a fun we, game. We, now the new one is, is the pivot. The yeah. one lady came out and said we might pivot this year or next year or something, and all of a sudden the market was up two days in a row. Fed bingo. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I, I tell you what. I'll, I'll ask you the question I ask everybody else. If if they... Google is down for me, so I'm uh, Uh-oh, considerably less intelligent. I hate when that happens. You can always use the machine in front of you. Well, that would if be the, smart. The big, huge machine right in front of you? Okay, that would be that, smart. That would be smart. Um, now, the question is, on the, uh, would you rather have the Fed be crooked or dumb? Uh, in the end, it's probably the same, so you just got to plan on both. I mean, do they, do they honestly think that when they say something like that, it's not market changing? And do they, who do they tell beforehand? And, uh, and I, you know, I just, you more expect I see of it. The, expect the, the worst outcome. Yeah, well, if they don't know that it's market changing, then they have no business in that job, Right, right. right. But if and if but if they do know and they do it anyway, then they're crooked. If they're not making anything on it, then it's really crazy. Well, this week we have a WASD report, which is the government uh, green reports, and we'll, those are usually market moving too. So yeah, well, if you I, get bored with the Fed, you can come on over to Greens. Well, we all saw take the movie. A, take a, yeah, Beaks. The uh, 
Oh, yeah. I got a phone call. And yep. you can take a look at the uh, grains if you get bored with, um, you know, currency, bonds, and equities. Well, that, that's, uh, I'd say that's true. So what did you make of uh, the sports world this weekend? Or the Bulls lose again? <laughs> the Bulls. Ah, oh, man. I was, I actually was more focused on college basketball this weekend. Pretty good stuff, and, eh? And I'm thinking that this March might be more interesting than we think. Selection Sunday, next Sunday. I'm really of the, of the feel that since um, I guess we've achieved, of course, I listened to your uh, your favorite goofball Friday night. Um, I got a lot of favorite goofballs. Bill Walton. Oh, nice. And uh, The guy's certifiable, but he <laughs> but he is fun. Oh. But he is fun. Um, he was he was talking about the uh, he's a huge Pac-10 guy, right? Yeah. The, the, the uh, Conference of Champions, right? <laughs> Boy, talk about making me they feel... used to be. Yeah, talk about making me feel old, though. 50 years since their 73 team. Right. They had a uh, <laughs> They had Silk Wiltz on there. He was a great player. Uh, and they, Who does he, he do work for now? Is he freelance? Uh, Bill Walton. He does. Or is he, he does NBA. all the ESPN. No, he's all he's all on the uh, ESPN. Does the Pac-10? They just do him later. Ah, uh, he's got to be ESPN guy. They do all pretty much all the college sports. Well, FS1 does. Uh, uh, Fox does some. I think I think he was on. Uh, I think he was at ESPN. Don't you? Yeah, I follow Bill Walton on uh, Instagram. He was tweeting about the Larry Farmer and the Bruins, uh, some book that they wrote. Yeah, or, and yeah. Uh, but he knows all he said. But everybody, he just you know, he is. You know, there was a back when nobody gave anybody any grief on like sports reports and stuff. It's a story. I told you, I told you how, how much I have a goofy memory about this stuff. When Bill Walton was in college. He didn't say a word to anybody in the press. He was totally protected, which was really rare. I mean, especially, a good strategy. Especially, well, to be blunt, especially for like a white guy. <laughs> I mean, he, he, nobody talked to him. So finally, one day he gives an interview. And the interview is like out in the desert somewhere, or in the mountains. And he's sitting on a rock in his tie-dyed blue jeans, you know, with the holes in the knees. And he's got, you know, some tie-dyed shirt on and a bandana. And uh, he starts talking. You could swear the guy was totally buzzed. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts talking, and the, and the guy, and the guy says, "Well, Bill, how do you? Uh, how does basketball?" But well, you know, I just kind of love being on the court. And so they played this thing. I remember this day was it was Bruce Roberts, who's been dead forever. It was a sports guy, and he the first time he had seen it, they had, they played it like an, I was watching Channel Two, and there, was, there were guys on Channel Two. Nobody gave anybody any grief in those days. Fahey Flynn and those other guys. So finally, <laughs> it ends, and they all just stood there. They, they, there was nobody said a word. They were totally. Finally, one guy goes, "Well, he sure moves quicker to the hoop, doesn't he?" <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, since then, he's found his voice, and uh, he is fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. He, he says whatever he feels like, you know. And it, you know what? It's refreshing to a certain extent. Yeah, you get your opinion out there, and really. <laughs> Unfiltered, he does. He's got no nothing to prove. So no, why not? Plus, you're. But but he has to. You would think he would if he re, if he ever listened to one of his games. There's there's fifteen greatest ever's on every team. You know, I mean, oh. you know I mean, <laughs> his hyperbole is just up there. But you know what? He's he's like uh, that works. It works. You know that what? It works. Yeah. Because you know they you know the guy's true to whatever. But he's a. Uh, 
A lot of guys in the team are dead. We're talking about four guys are dead off the team, the 73 team. Because they, they were undefeated in the 72 and 73, and they lost Notre Dame in 74. Well, the 73-74 season. Did he mention anything about college this year? Well, can't imagine. Well, that's all he was doing. No, he didn't. Uh, he, he was well. He was talking about how many, how many teams in the Pac-10 deserve to be in the NCAA. Yeah, UCLA. Well, but UCLA and he, he Arizona and uh, I Is think uh, Arizona he, dropped a ranking. Are they still in the top ten? But he uh, was talking about Oregon belongs in there and Washington. Of course, he had a big debate with the, his uh, his announcer buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a stretch there. Well. I still can't get over Houston, Alabama. Well, this Alabama the team, ever since this happened with this kid, they've gone straight downhill. Yeah. But I think they'll still be a three-seed or something. But Oh, they'll, be a, they'll probably be a one-seed. Yeah, I don't know. They've lost their last two or three games. Well, the conference, yeah. But, they, you know, it's, it's uh, I, you know, I know Kevin's right that it, just because there's 64 teams. Do you think I, Purdue gets a one-seed? No. If, if Alabama doesn't, Purdue probably would. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, well, what was it last year? Year before, the first time a sixteen beat a one ever. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Well, since you know, the, I, mean, I mean, Kevin is Kevin's right in the sense that it's never been the top sixty-four because there's like twenty-four places where people get in just because they're conference championships. So it's really the top thirty-five to forty, right? Yeah, the top thirty-five or forty, and I think. Uh, that tops out. Tops out. You know, you get Duke in there, Illinois in there, probably Memphis. Well, there's really, let's see, there's 64, but then there's two play-in games for the 12 spots, so that's two extra teams. There's two playoff play-in games for the 16, 16. spots, so there's actually 68 teams, right? As yeah, going into the going into the weekend, I'm not sure if they count it as part of the tournament or put it on the bracket. It's just kind of. Well, they're playing games. I, I don't. I don't think you bet on those. You don't, you know, if you do a Calcutta, I don't think you do it till, you know, who those people are, right? Uh, they there's let no you payoff. do it before, but there's no payoff for the playoff playing game. I don't think. Right. So, well, we should check that Quicken Loans or whatever. Where they well, do I haven't that. done a Calcutta in how many years? But why not? Um, nobody on the trading floor used to do them, and there's nobody on trading floor. They used to go to Beverly Country well, Club and do it. There's this thing called. The internet. Oh god! I want to be. I want to be in the room with the guy. I want to see the guys bidding the fifty grand, Yikes. pulling up the cash. It's a whole different. Pro, a whole different. I was uh, last time I went to one. Five slam a jamma. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, a uh, cut is is a, a, a way of wagering when you, where you set your own price. I mean, the, the first bid really sets the price. So, let's say there's a. Uh, and you pay off at every level. So the, the, if you win the first game from 64 down to 32, you get what? I, I haven't seen the – I'm sure you could probably find the breakdowns. You get what, like 4% of the pool, 3% of the pool or something? That sounds right. I'm, and then if you win the I'm, second game, you get like – I'd love you know, to search that for you. My internet's done. 6 or 8% of the pool. And by, by the time you get to the top, obviously I, – I think if you, go all, if you go all the way, what do you end up with, like 30%, 33%? Oh, definitely. But it's not a hundred. It's not a hundred at all. You you pay it every game. So I was with these guys, and I knew them. One of them just passed away, by the way. Uh, and they were they were convinced this was five slam of jamas year. So they ended up spending. But what my, what was my point that I of course didn't finish up on 
is if the first team stinks and they've got you know a, a 30% chance of winning game one and somebody bids like 10 grand for them okay well yeah, then okay well, then the other guy's worth 30 then the better teams you know better chance of them are worth so you end up you end up uh, setting the, the price of the whole thing by the initial bids because then it just it just factors off them in terms of percentages right I mean, we could do it, but we I mean, get we used some to the people same down in the restaurant or something. We, well, you need a lot of people. Yeah. But we we, uh, we used to do the same thing for golf on the trading floor. You did the same thing for golf. Yeah. How does that work? Same thing. You bet on somebody Dr. would J? say, somebody would say, uh, would pick. We had A, B, C, D players, and it was a scramble. Uh, but the scramble had rules. You have to use three drives of all four people, and it was on a really really hard golf course, and so. Your D player, if he couldn't, if he couldn't hit the ball at all, that was a big problem, you know, because he had to use at least three of his uh, drives. So then, once the teams were made, they put them on a big board, and they'd say, "Okay, here's a here's a team with, uh, you know, our buddy Greg Ripsinski, you, Jimmy, and Kendall. You're a team." Okay. And everybody goes, eh. <laughs> "But so somebody would bid thousand dollars for your team. Maybe you'd even try and buy it yourself." And all of a sudden, there's a team that's twice as good. Well, they're going to go for two, right? Right. So then all of a sudden, the numbers start to pile up. But in a big Calcutta, the interesting part is, if you got somebody cheap early before the price of poker went up, say you got, uh, you know, pick a crummy team, for 500 bucks, and all of a sudden, these numbers start to get up Northwestern. There. Yeah. Well, Northwestern is not a crummy team. They could, they could, they could, <laughs> I'm saying you get paid every game. So okay, if, fine. Uh, so if you, if you pick somebody... If you pay five hundred, well, I'm say if you pick if you pay five hundred bucks for a a thirteen playing a three, right? Yeah, big payoff. Well, and you're going to win like probably three grand yeah. if they win or something. So it's it's a real number. So what's happening? It'll come around a second time, and somebody has to bid at least ten percent over what the guy did the first time. If there was a clunker in there, and if he does, the person who bids the first time. And got it gets half the money, the difference between the first and the second. Yeah, we can do one. So if you bid five hundred and you got, you know, whatever sidewash state, and all of a sudden there's like a bazillion dollars in the pool, where somebody's want to take anybody for five hundred and somebody bids a grand, they'll get the team, not you, but you get two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, which was interesting. So we would have sometimes, you know, twenty five grand in our golf thing. <laughs> You guys are degenerate gamblers. Well, that's what people run, you know. But I mean, it was a serious two-day tournament at like a hard course. Oh no, we'd go to uh, uh, what's the place in uh, Kenosha? Um, Kohler. Yeah, Kohler. Wow. Played the River Course in the Meadows. God, those things gorgeous. And one year we played the Irish. Then we played the Whistling Straits. We had the PGA. I mean, we're talking about serious. That takes the fun out of it, though. When you're when you're betting like that, you know, you can't drink and have fun. Uh, Didn't stop some people. Let's just say... How good were they? Were they scratch or something? My A player didn't sleep the one night. Oh. That was not good. Uh uh-huh. The, uh... The, How was uh, he at putting? Well, Kevin just tweeted in. It was like Loyola's run to the Final Four a couple years ago. That was, had to be one of the biggest Calcutta winners ever. Yeah. But, uh... No, no. Plus the big controversy. You had to have rules, right? Well, sure, yeah, but, but it's really... Because, I mean... The winning teams, their guys were pretty good. Winning teams would be seven or eight o- under. 
And we're talking about the blue tees. On a scramble, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but we're talking about the blue tees, which the blue tees up there, especially when you're starting at 6 in the morning and everything is, <laughs> and everything is damp. I mean, you, you, you know, you lambaste one in those days before you had, you know, the best balls and everything. And if, if you could carry the ball 245, 250, you know, that's, a, that's the best I could do. And I was one of the biggest hitters there. But the thing would land in, in a fairway and it would... All you see on TV stick. just would stick. Yeah, but now you see the stuff on TV where first they don't want the guys hit it that far. Yet the spots where they know they're going to hit it, they keep nice and dry. So those guys get like eighty yards worth of roll. We're getting like eight feet. <laughs> but there were there were guys that you know there were all this kind of stuff you had to carry. So you're a deep player. I'm you could say, strategically switch out balls too, right? You get the hard one for the drive, the soft well, ones around. Yeah, the but nobody really nobody really did that, but. <laughs> Actually, that's illegal. Well, it's a scramble. Yeah, but you're also talking about the trading floor. If anybody tr- cheated on the golf, you know, we trade with them again. Oh. It was a big deal. Oh, you did. Nobody ever cheated. God, no. And uh, although somebody, we had a big uproar one year. The, uh, I mean, there were probably D players. Were there the teams by stock or teams by index? No, Eddie, Eddie Berry picked them all. Everybody, he knew how good everybody was, and then at the end of the year, at the end, uh, or you have the A, the A players would all draft. The best A player would draft last, that kind of thing. Uh. I always was, uh, I was the, the highly revered, if I could slip to the C line, I always was like the number one C guy. Oh, nice. Because I didn't play that much by that time, and I wasn't really that good, but we probably used half my drives. Well, that's a, that's a hot commodity. Yeah, plus I could putt and stuff, so, you know, but I wasn't, uh, you know, by that time, if you, you know, I wasn't going to shoot. I couldn't have broken 100 at the river or those things from the blue tees. But there were holes where the deep players couldn't even... There's all kinds of holes with carry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't... A couple of holes, if you don't carry at 230, you're not getting there. <laughs> so there's probably, there were guys that were probably half the half the field couldn't carry it. So, even in four four uh, four people, four shots, or they were using... No, like, I'm saying... Good guys were using... I'm it. saying you needed, you needed to hit at 230 to get to the fairway from the tees we were using. Yeah. It was just mush in the middle between. Not like the wives are playing. Well, I'm saying carrying the ball 230 is not something everybody can do. Just saying. <laughs> so I, I'd be. I. I don't know. I played twice this year, so I. I think that my drive would be pretty inconsistent. Yeah, but not. Yes, I'm saying. Well, well, then, one year the big controversy was somebody has this guy who was terrible. My buddy Mike Coyle. He's the A player. So somehow they make it to the, and you're dying for birdies. So there might be a couple of easier par fives. If you're if you're a deep player, wax one straight like 150 yards. Gotta you go, use it. We're saying we're using it. Yep. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute, somebody's hit one like 290. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Gotta use it. Gotta use it. So one, there's this hole on the meadows, where it's a par three. That's a really tough hole no matter what. The green's kind of shrouded by this tree. Between the tee and the green is nothing but a ravine. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, oh. So <laughs> I know what's now you're way, you're way back in the tee, so it's you know it's one ninety, you know, which is a real smoke with an iron, right? It's land on this on this green with not much room up there. So they 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 made it so they're well, it was you started with a shotgun start, so you never know what hole you were starting on. So the, the, this was these guys' last hole, so they had to use their deep player's shot in the in the tee. You know, the red, the white, the blue. The tee is like 80 yards long. So Coyle, being the clever guy that he is, says, hey, just pull out your putter, 
and whack it down but to the end of the tee and like don't knock it off the tee. And tea. don't knock it off the tee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you idiot. So, so, so the guy whacks one down to the end and they somebody plunks it up there and they, they and they can the ball can the thing for a for a three. Well of course word gets out. Oh no. Everybody's outraged. Yeah, can't so the next next day and from then on you can't putt the ball on the tee. Ah. So sure enough the next day or That's the next good strategy. Year, yeah, well, yeah. It turned up the next year we're in the same predicament. I don't know why we didn't use our D players. He was horrible. We didn't use his stuff. So he, he hits one off the the blue, right off the end of the club. It, in <laughs> parallel or totally parallel. Perpendicular to Perpendi- the, yeah, perpendicular yeah. to the into the trap of the next hole. <laughs> so we're sitting in there going, We gotta use it. So these guys these other guys are playing the hole, they go what the bleep are you guys doing to that trap? You know, don't even, don't even. You perpendicular it out. Yeah, don't yeah. it, don't it. So sure enough, Kevin. Can you put it back onto the tee box? No, God, the, no. You hit it out of the trap. You hit it. Yeah, can you hit it back into the tee box? Why would you tee? do that? And it be hitting three from the tee box. You, I mean, you get the, you get the, it's. Well, Kevin, of course. What are you going to do? Take it out into 10 yards? No, you just, fairway? you got to hit it out of the trap. So Kevin, Kevin whacks one from this trap. He had to be 190 yards. He puts it on the green. Whoa. And one of our guys cans it. Huh. <laughs> we ended up with a three. I'm like, that was the most unlikely three I think I've ever. <laughs> How we escaped that one. That's incredible. It was incredible. But I mean, one guy got a, uh, one year, one guy got a double eagle. Double eagle? Yeah. Says hard, hard, no, double eagle is a, a two on a par five. Oh. It's the hardest thing. You ever, I've got a few eagles. I've never got a double eagle. Never gotten a double eagle either. No, kind of. It's how do you get two, two and a par five? <laughs> I came close a couple times. Tiger Woods at three fifty to the green and then put it in. Well, there's there's a lot of par fives that you can get, especially on these older courses. Now the now the equipment's so much better. All right, so we got two minutes. What are we going to do on a? Is there the grain reports this week? Is there a hot grain market or a metals market right now? Seems like the well in the grain market we've got probably. Not a lot of action in the beans because you can just tell that the vol is lower. In the corn, you'll probably see uh, more movement. And then wheat is the most movement just because that's we're coming coming out of the uh, dormant season. But there's no corn is really low. It's just a question of when it's going to go high or it's really high. It's just a question of when it's going to go. There's no, it's kind of in the... Just the, looking at the volatility levels, meaning the expectation of what's going to, how far it's going to move. Um, wheat is like double beans. So if you think the beans are going to move twenty cents, you know the the wheat, the wheat will move, uh, or twenty twenty percent, the wheat will move like forty percent, just based on the volatility numbers, which are um, how we price m- movement. And so well, I would I would look to trade more corn and wheat rather than beans upcoming. Same thing as if you were to look at silver versus gold. You know, the silver vol is way higher than the gold vol. I would expect silver as a percentage of its as a percentage of its uh, price to move you know, roughly double. Same thing with, like, copper. Okay, well, now, what do you... This is one of the issues with VIX, especially with you, you, you volatility guys. Um, when I say that, guys, it's... You're throwing me in a basket? Yes, you're from being thrown into a basket <laughs> where you, you, you live and die by this VIX. <laughs> Even though it's, it's, a, it's a totally... It's a totally imperfect measurement. It's perfect about sixty-eight percent of the time. God, you sound like our our, uh, our int- intro. 
Sixty <laughs> percent of the time, it works all the time. <laughs> That's a good one. That's from uh, what is that with Ron Burgundy? Yeah, yeah. I don't really. But uh, what I'm saying is, there's 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 different views of volatility. I'm and, Ron Burgundy. Whatever, and everybody zeroes in on the VIX guys. Now, by the way, you're nowhere near as bad as the guys I met in Austria. They were absolute VIX mavens. They, all they did was they were slaves of the models and the volatility without realizing how imperfect the models and the volatility both are. Well, that's because we make them. Well, that's right. You guys are you're into it because you like it. We make them. This must be the best. We're, we're not perfect. This must be the best bread in the world. I just made it. <laughs> the reason what I'm saying is if you look at the silver in the last year, the volatility has been dramatically higher than gold, but it never goes anywhere. If gold is up 2%. Sounds like we should sell it. No, what I'm saying, it has been absolutely violent between 19 and 21 and a half. Two and three and 8% moves in there. Yet it never goes to 25 or never goes to 15. Well, it could be. I mean, you could get that price just based on the back and forth also. Right. So if there's more opportunity to scalp. Well, I'm not, I'm not, what I'm saying is you can have a stock that has zero volatility, never moves anywhere. So it's that trading would be 80 like and the a next, utility the next day, stock. Yeah, the next day somebody takes it over at 120. I guess, I guess it not that volatile. The VIX was low, but boy, you didn't want to be shorted. Right. So I mean, there's there's differences in how that. We'll talk about that after yeah. break. Lamar, SP futures down 275. As that futures up 275, so not much as we wait for Powell and the, and the labor numbers this week. Be right back. Let Mr. John Flanagan as well. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Out, Greg Pappas in the studio. Andrew on the board. We have John Flanagan coming in on Zoom here back in a minute. SP Futures down two and NASDAQ Futures up 50 cents, so not much going on. After a big up week yesterday, after a bunch of lousy weeks. Dow futures down 34. I'm not seeing anything at Caterpillar down a buck 11. They just allegedly have a, a union settlement. We'll see if the thing gets voted on this week as a positive or negative. Uh, I did not get to read much. I'm going to try and read this week if I can some of the details to see what kind of a COLA arrangement they have, meaning cost of living adjustment arrangement for those who uh, don't remember those from years and years ago. Over in Europe, we've got these guys started up last night. Eh, nothing up so much. DAX up 28.2%, FTSE down 47.6. FTSE's been kind of a, not always going the same way as the other two guys in the last couple of weeks. I don't know why that is. Check around up 11.1% over in Asia. Got the Nikkei up 310, that's 1.1%. Hang Seng up 35.17. Shanghai down 6.2. So other than the Nikkei, not much direction over there. Friday, big update. Dow up 387, S&P up 64, NASDAQ up 226. Just kept going up all day. Uh, Bonds. Down 4.30 seconds, 3.92, so got up over 4 and then came back. That's one of the reasons why we were up Friday. One down 3 basis points, 2.68. Uh, Japan, 0 .50, it's where it is stuck. Because somebody in the Fed came out and said, we just might pivot. Well, the get a list, down a buck 16, 78.52, still under 80. Rent down 122, 84.61. Natural gas down 33 cents, Greg. 267, ouch. Arbob down 3 cents. I should have waited to put gas in the Suburban. Gold. Buck 30, 1855, managed to sneak back over 1850. Silver down 4 cents, 2119. Uh, Not very volatile today, despite Greg's predictions. Copper down 4 cents, 402. We've got Bitcoin down 15 bucks, 22,395, which is it's been quiet in this area for a while. We got the US dollar sort of mixed, the euro, yeah, 106, and the pound 120, kind of where it's been. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us, Travis? Weather Sports? Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, March 6, 2023, currently 6.38 a.m. Uh, weather in Chicago this morning, mostly clear skies. Right now, 42 degrees, a high of 57 later on. Tomorrow and Wednesday, we're looking at sunny skies. Expect a mix of rain and snow on Friday in the early morning. 
Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, 49 degrees currently, a high of 71 later on. Tomorrow, sunny skies for now and the rest of the week. Yesterday in the NBA, Bulls played Pacers and lost 125-122. to Bulls back on Wednesday with Nuggets in Denver. Game starts at 8 p.m. In the NHL, Blackhawks play Senators tonight. Game starts at 8 p.m. at United Center. And in men's college basketball, yesterday, Illinois State versus Purdue. Purdue won out 76-71. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. So I watched the, uh, the Knicks in double overtime beat the Celtics. I don't know if you saw that, Greg. Double overtime? Yeah, why exactly no, I missed rid- that. Why exactly do you get rid of Tom Thibodeau again? <laughs> he uh, he wore out his best players and had conflicts with uh, ah. Jimmy Butler. Right? Well, Jimmy Butler, he's, he made Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed. John, you there? Are you? He's supposed to be zooming in. Yes, we have him on Zoom. We'll just check to make sure he's, he can hear everything. John? Check, check. Check, check. Here, I'll, I'll take care of that. You guys continue right. with the conversation. Oh, well, there he is, John. There he is. <laughs> we heard him coughing. I heard that. Yeah, I believe he sh- he should be able to hear us. I've changed nothing since last week. Uh, Mr. Flanagan. Well, let it look. busy enjoying he's his morning coffee. Maybe he's having morning coffee. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, there's a quote here from. Uh, who is this Robert Peters guy, anyway? This is a... Sl- we're, we're late. I'm here, Tom. Oh, you're there. Hi, Greg. Yes. You're there. Um, you're zooming? I'm zooming. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're not as clear as uh, we would expect on the Zoom, but uh, we can hear you. Um, did you hear this quote from... Uh, who's this guy, Greg? He's a... Uh, state senator. State senator. There is a very clear fight in this country against a rising right wing. Chicago's municipal election is very important in that fight. A supposed Democrat built his career rebound with the most violent and miserable right wingers in the state. That sets a bad precedent. I know Springfield Republicans who wouldn't even be seen with some of the people they always hangs out with. Your complicity hides behind a nonpartisan veneer. The truth is the truth. Um... That's a nice measured response. Um, who was the guy who said uh, politics does create some strange bedfellows? There was a that was a famous line from somebody. Strange doesn't come close to describing your time. Yeah, well, yeah, you're uh, you're kind of a you're in an echo chamber zoom a little bit, John. Oh well. Are you are you talking? Are you got your your mic into your computer? Yeah. Hmm, I got my computer mic. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, working out so hot. The um, oh, you got the one where it's just the camera's on top and you're talking into it, rather than have the headset. Yeah. The, head, the headset mic thing works really well. I don't know if I don't know if that that's working so well. Yeah. The uh, this oh, is it's, a, it's Robert Peters. Excuse me, oh, state senator Robert Peters. Yeah, he's. Your complicity hides behind a nonpartisan veneer. Well, okay. I'm going to say that uh, I don't think there was anything in this world that would ever get me on the same side of anything with Ken Griffin, but this election has. I don't think we can go another Lori Lightfoot, Ed, Ed Johnson. Is it Ed? Was that his name, Ed Johnson? Brandon Johnson? Brandon Johnson. Ed, well, Ed Johnson. Uh, no, Ed, Ed Johnson was the Oldsmobile dealer. Brandon Johnson. Uh, 
I don't think we can. I, can, I don't think we can go there. Okay, I just, I just don't think we can. And you know, I'm. I still think I'm fairly liberal. And most people think I'm way left, which I'm not. But I don't. This, this other direction. I don't even. This, I don't know what that even means. What we're doing this, this other way where you, just, you don't arrest them people. You let people out. The people who commit crimes are more important than the people who get shot. I, that that and the schools are horrendous. And all we do is give teachers more money, and nobody's forced to learn. I, it, the, the 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 streets are anarchy. I mean, does anybody really think that's a direction? I mean, I, I question Vallis as well. They they go from going fifth among Caucasian candidates four years ago to being number one only because he's the only one. E, I don't like that at all. But the fact is, can't we get somebody in the middle? Evidently not. I think you know, Tom the. The thing that is pretty clear to me, although I don't think you'll hear Johnson admit to this in any debates, but he works for an organization that thrives on getting new members all the time. Um, in the face of declining, you know, power of the teachers' unions, as you know, Chicago loses students and closes schools, they see their goal. It's not so much to improve the schools. They don't really care about doing that. They just want more members. And they've got a huge swath of membership now, the AFT, um, that is healthcare workers and public workers. It has nothing to do with teaching. They're just they're an organizing group. Brandon Johnson's job has been as an organizer. He goes out to, you know, people who want to unionize and gets them to come come to IFT or AFT and gets them all worked up and gives them pep talks. That's his whole shtick. And that's okay. I mean, I know that's how unions have always worked. But he just sees being mayor of Chicago, as I think what the AFT sees, it's an opportunity to get rid of the police or significantly reduce their numbers, hire a whole bunch of social workers and health workers, unionize them, and they don't care if the streets are safe or anywhere that they care whether the schools are working well or not. It's all about getting membership. He'll never admit to that, but I think it's pretty transparent why he's running and why he's getting so much money. But whatever your political leanings are, when you're when you're governing, I mean the, the simplest line ever is uh, Richard J. Daly, the original Daly, is you know good government is good politics and good politics is good government. You can't get away f- one from the other. You can't you can't say to people, well, it, you're afraid to go outside your house, but everything's okay. I mean that that stuff that, that crap doesn't fly for very long. It just doesn't. You no, know, it only flies among the the naive or kind of the uninitiated who, you know, live in a world that you and I, have, if we ever lived in it, we gave it up a long time ago. But they hold out hope that you know, this is the way things should be. And whether it makes sense or not is kind of beside the point. It's the right thing to do, and we got to do it. I, I see a lot of that feeling behind the, the Johnson support. It isn't that they have really a lot of the supporters have any clue what's really going to happen here. They don't seem to particularly care. They just think it's the right thing to do to, to back him and not somebody from the old guard. And that, that isn't informed voting in my book. That's just kind of knee-jerk voting. Well, by the way, whatever you did to your machine, you're now clear as bell. Oh, good, good. Uh, yeah, I had a, there was a kind of lamp in here. The lamp was blocking the direct line to the microphone, so that's my my bad. Was the lamp shining in your face like you're being interrogated or what? Oh, no. It's just, just like I'm not stumbling around and hitting my head back here. Oh, God. But, I mean, this, 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 I'm going to, I was predicting to uh, my significant other yesterday, and we had the pleasure of going out to breakfast with uh, Nancy, who'll be on later. A spectacular lady. The three of us, 
had a nice time. We'll be talking about inflation and breakfast joints in a little bit. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit with you, Jan. But the, you know, I think this this election is going to be the dirtiest election we've ever seen in terms of name calling, and it's already started. Well, I think you know the. The Preckwinkle people and the Teachers Union lost their bid in 2019 when Lightfoot cleaned up. I don't think they were expecting that kind of victory. Um, I think they've been working on this ever since. And it's not just in, in Chicago, I think it's in other cities. Um, it's, it's all about increasing the power of these interest groups. They've got money up the wazoo. They're not really accountable to the members. Uh, they've got tons of support in Washington. I mean, heck, the AFT dictated school policy to the CDC. John, when, when does that when does that stop? When does that stop? When, I mean, everybody. There's a lot of great movements. There's a lot of great ideas, and when you push them a little too far, people go, "Wait a minute." I, I why don't all it would take are two or three people in the teachers union if, if they're just totally intimidated, or I'm not so sure I'd be the one who wanted to do it. File a suit individually to people on the board. I gotta believe that that charter does not allow them to borrow against future dues for a political candidate, or it's, it's silent on it or something. It, it must not. It, there's no way it says that. I don't think. Who write it in there? No, unless there's a, really a mass resignation of members. Tom, it's the only thing that's going to wake up that union. I'm sorry, I, I don't see that happening. But I'm sure there are a lot of disaffected people um, throughout this state and other states too when they see this kind of mismanagement of their you know political contributions. Well, Lori had the chance when they didn't show up for uh <clears throat> they disagreed with the COVID thing they weren't going to come back to work she had a chance to fire them all she didn't do it she barely got away with not paying oh well, she days. paid them they all got paid pretty much she didn't yeah they, tr they tried not to but, yeah they um, you know, that that to me showed these, these teachers, or the I should I never want to like blanket all teachers with this kind of you know, oh no, but, <clears> but <throat> I don't certainly the, the leadership um, was looking for every possible reason to stay out of the classroom and still collect their pay. Now I'm sorry, but that that union has nothing to do it anymore with its professionalism or the quality of its instruction. It's all about making the life as cushy as possible for their members. How else can you see it? I wish and this this could be a job for Jan Flanning because you can find stuff like this. When I used to go, well, when I used to go, when we had a client, and we didn't lose the, well, I guess we lost the client. If somebody dies, do you lose them? I guess you lose them. Uh, he was a, a terrific guy. He and his wife were from, uh, I think they were from Okinawa, or either there or the Philippines, might have been Okinawa. He was a, he was a chess, chess cutter, as they said in, uh, yeah, she was a, a lung surgeon, or what do you call those guys, a thoracic surgeon, right? Uh, and he was the head of... Uh, thoracic surgery at Mercy Hospital, I think it was for years. He's also was the head of the, uh, uh, was the Chicago Lung Association. It was with the, you know, but anyway, but they were one of the nine charity things at the night before at McCormick Place. So, of course, we would always buy like four tickets. <laughs> I don't know if we wanted to, but we did. And we would show up in our tuxedos and have a nice time. And uh, one year they had this huge thing about the history of the Lung Association. And for those that Fortunately for you, are, are too young, and I am—I actually am too young to remember the the TB scare. I was at the tail end of the polio scare, but I don't remember the TB scare at all. I mean, it was—I mean, there's still TB around, but it was nothing like. What was the? 
was the antibiotic that was invented that finally penicillin didn't help against uh, TB there was one was it amoxicillin or anthracillin or one of them knocked out TB right Chan yeah and I don't know I forget which one it was but it was one of the antibiotics and uh, they had a picture well so I'm saying all these lung associates were essentially TB societies right with sanitariums and things like that and uh on the wall was a picture. This was before the COVID. But if I could get this picture and we could tweet it out, people would have an idea of, you know, how things were. They had a picture of a rural schoolhouse. Well, might have been suburban because it was away from a bunch of any other buildings. The walls and the roof had been taken down. And it was the middle of winter. And they had shoveled the classroom, snow all around the place, and the students are sitting there in their uh, winter coats and gloves, writing and doing their studies, and the teacher's got the blackboard up front and her coat and, and woolies and teaching because they were afraid of uh, tuberculosis in an inside room. So that's what teachers were doing in those days. And here, what we, could, we couldn't do anything, even with masks and six feet apart and a whole bit. And we're not even talking about the same disease. So there's a there's a difference in. Dedication, so we say, John, <laughs> between the generations. Yep. Just saying. I I couldn't agree more, Tom. I mean, I don't I don't. Obviously, when when COVID came out, the first couple of months, everybody was afraid, but I was too. As time went by, okay, bus drivers are driving buses. I mean, garbage guys are picking up garbage. People are interacting. You're ordering your your chow from uh, whatever, and the guy delivers it. You don't care about him. But anyway, it's we don't want to go over that stuff again. But I think this is somewhat of a of a referendum, Jan, and it's I think it, it really is you know, I was with some conservative people this weekend is somewhere at the end of the day people, whatever group it is, you know, and it's not a color thing because other areas of the country are the same way and everybody's all white Yep, the, the idea is you're supposed, to, you're supposed to provide something to somebody of, of, uh, of value where you get paid for so you can take care of yourself and once you get off that line where because of whatever reason, you know, be it something that happened years ago or just now or I got a hangnail or whatever it is or, you know, something, something, this idea that somebody's going to take care of you, the somebody, the somebodies are getting tired of it. And not only that, it's not whether you're getting tired of it or not. It, it comes down to the numbers don't, once you pass one person over from column A to column B and another person column A, you get less and less people paying for more and more people. I mean, and I don't see these programs. Jan, you know, when it comes to being a bleeding heart liberal, I'm willing to do any program on earth. If somebody has a drug problem, somebody had family problems, somebody had bad education, whatever it is, I'm willing to, to spend the dough and uh, create the, the stuff where we can allow whoever it is to catch up to the point where they can be proud to go to work, do something worthwhile, get their dough, take care of themselves, take care of their family. I don't even see that as a, but that that would be my goal. It's not it's not anybody's goal, is it? Let me let oh, these people, no. let me people no. they ever had a job. I mean, this, did this guy ever have a job other than and sucking on the teachers? You and in a county I don't count, call a county commissioner a job. You ever work for anybody? It isn't a job. job. It's it's a well paying you know place to park yourself and, and to collect a pension down the road but to me it, it's and you've got other commission commissioners like larry suffered in 
who are doing the same thing. They've got a Cook County commissioner salary, and he's he made one hundred forty six thousand dollars from the AFT last year. Yeah, you know, for for political affairs services to the union. Well, well what kind of a county commission do we have if half of the people or, or two of the people in the city are completely in the pocket of the teachers union? Well, but I mean, to be fair, in in, in a lot of areas where there have been you know, there have been some blight, there's family issues. Our good friend, uh, actually, uh, Kevin's brother Tim, my, my roommate, when he got out of college, this is years ago, I don't know what the situation is now, he, he was a social worker for a while, right? Yeah. And he, he said that they, were, they, were, they had programs where people would go and they'd have a 10-week program to learn whatever, some kind of skill level so you could have a job. He said the, the programs were always full. People always did it. At the end of the program, there was never a job. So these, these programs, they're inept. Uh, on top of everything else, so the the the, the helping. I mean, I mean, what percentage of the money of these alleged programs actually go to where people spit out the other end? As somebody who, who goes to work, pay for their own place, is happy in life, or as happy as you can be in life, then I don't, I don't. I think the the programs basically aren't run very well. People take money all along the way. They don't do their jobs. The whole thing ends up being kind of a just a kind of a goat screw or something. I don't know, but. I mean, and we, somehow we got to fix that, Jen. Now, the, some people on the right is don't do anything. I mean, I mean, it's, it's amazing the taxes we pay. But how many people in the city are are fed every day from the food depository, a volunteer organization, two hundred twenty thousand or something? I mean, really? What, what what is what is the city supposedly that's doing in the county and the state and the federal government that's supposedly coming up with all this stuff? What are they doing? These guys look like they're doing all the work, don't they? Well, that's. With at least up until recently, a fairly generous food stamps program, um, you can make a lot of money in food stamps if you play your cards right. Uh, so you would think at some point a lot of this government assistance has gone down the tubes or isn't getting to people who are hungry. A lot of it's going to the drugs. It's being misspent by people who are hungry or something. It's a lot of it's going to drugs. I don't know. Uh, drugs. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, if none of the government money was going to drugs, do you think that much money would be going to drugs in those areas? No. I mean, there's no way. There's, I mean, there's just no way. Hey, uh, what is your latest on the, uh, as the market's headed back up here, the Fed was talking about maybe pivoting, or one person was, even though the rest of them are saying no. What is your your stand on the in, inflation? I was, yesterday, yesterday I was saying we went to breakfast with, uh, I'll just kind of lead into this for a break. Breakfast with Audrey and Nancy, and we went to, Someplace equidistant between our places and uh, place we've gone a bunch of times. So I'm kind of looking at the prices, and I'm going to say, without stealing a menu from three years ago, easily 35 percent higher than before COVID, which is basically across the board anywhere. I'm going to say that uh, the place you work, Greg, it's about the same, right? Yeah. I mean, it's about where everybody is. But I, what I really wanted to do, and this is a, you know, this is in the burbs, so there's a lot of older couples in there, and blah blah blah. What I really wanted to do is be, I didn't want to be, though I was going to put forth the effort. But I would love to have seen somebody be a total pain in the ass, and just what? go sit down at every table and just interview everybody and find out how are they affected, what's going. Because the place is pretty crowded, so if you were to just walk by and say, ah, nobody cares, everybody's got the dome, but that that's never true. Those kind of a gross. I think you'd have, you'd find at the s- margin you push away you push away say if you used to go 
two and a half or three times a week. Now you're only going one and a half. Well, you might find out that we used to go to dinner on Saturday. Now we go to breakfast on Sunday. Yeah. Even though it's higher, it's not as much yeah, as something, dinner. Something where you replace the highest uh, highest menu item, or and you just kind of. Um, what do you? But I just wonder what you guys' opinion after. You're going to sit down and somebody. There's going to be some old couple there. They weren't all old. I said, "Hey, buddy, I, I was long the market. You know, the, the entire 2000 and uh, in uh, in 21." I shorted it for the beginning of 2022 that I bought it again this year. I'm rolling in dough. I don't care. I mean, hopefully you'd find a couple people like that, right? I don't know if you would or not. But there's but there's going to be some people that say, we used to go to dinner, now we don't. We go to breakfast because we're not tempted to have a glass of wine or something, which is even more. Um, I mean, I just I just love to find the spread because you don't, you don't really know unless you sit down and talk to somebody. You don't really know you know if it looks crowded. What the owner's saying, how people cut back where they, more people are drinking water instead of iced tea. They, they won't get an iced tea because they'll just drink water. I mean, you don't really know the situation, right, Greg, until you actually sit down and interview everybody in detail. you got to be happy if they're there, though. That's, yeah. that's you, you feel just a little better if there's actually people showing up. It doesn't matter how much, you know, the average ticket size could go down, but you're, you're happy that they're there because... <laughs> Uh, an extended period without anybody in the seats is just—it's like any other self-employed employment. Yeah. My, my impression, Tom. I mean, just if you were to sit down and ask me. Um, by the way, I think you'd get pretty much the same story for most diners. But um, a couple places where I go out to eat, and I don't go to as many as I used to or as often. Uh, but where I know the owners and where I know the menu, and I know what I'm in for when I order something. Um, I, I see, you know, the server staff has, has changed completely. All new faces. And you go there again; it's all new faces again too. The, the portions are smaller. Yep. Uh, the offerings generally are the same, but the prices have skyrocketed. And I, I go without an iced tea or something at lunch too because it's ridiculously priced. I'll just take water. Um, and I get, you know, I cut back on other stuff that I never cared about because it didn't involve any kind of real expense on my part it seemed um the places you could get out of easily for 20 bucks even with tip you know it's, it's 40 and 45 now. oh yeah yeah the same stuff and, and i just no this i'm on a, a fixed income you know i never wanted to think of myself in those terms but i've only got so much disposable income to spend on stuff like that and it gives me a, a bad feeling when i do it because i feel like i'm being well don't you feel a little bit Embarrassed when you cut back on the iced tea and the bill comes and you flip out the hundo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, S&P Futures up 2, NASDAQ Futures up 22. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give Chiromed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at Chiromed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give Chiromed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hear ye, hear ye. The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. The tax man, eh? The tax man? That's right. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, one for you and one two for me. No doubt, no doubt. Well, who, did, who did that skit? Was that the Stooges? One for you, one for me. That was one for you, one for you, me, one for you, one two for me. Oh, I believe that might be the March Brothers. March Brothers, yeah, it was the March Brothers, I think. Yeah. One for you and one two three for me. That's it. Yeah, with the eggs. Yeah, that was in a, a Night at the Opera. I, I, I could be, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the uh, I always I always uh, accused your uh, your two guys, uh, Greg, Lou and Billy, over at the uh, at the Excelsior. I'd see him in there on a Saturday morning. I'd always be accused of Lou, Billy of, of, of uh, splitting up the cash. One for you, one for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those are back. I'm gonna say Billy Billy dragged out the uh, the menu from uh, Orlando's when they closed. It wasn't wasn't like I'm, I'm with two fifty or something or three yeah. or four bucks or something. You get, you get the whole skillet for a couple bucks. Yeah, the uh, it was crazy stuff. But uh, but now it's all it's all leases and it's all you know it's kind of I guess it's some salaries, but it's all it's all this it's the gas bill, it's the electric bill. I if mean, you walk to the the what is it the north side of series, there's the menu on the wall, the menus on the wall from brokers and before that. Uh, uh, GJ's, the Annis restaurant down the street, from all the way back, I think, to the 40s, they've got prices. Well, wow. what were the drink prices? Uh, on for something like a what 
Like jack. a martini or a jack or something? Yeah, probably like dollar. Yeah, well. Dollar thirty-seven. Well, you know, Jan just mentioned something. I, I'm I'm not in the business, but <clears throat> I uh, just just my reaction to stuff is if if somebody, you know, you know I like Italian food, I like, well, I like everything, so it's not. <clears throat> but if you walk in and and you uh, you pay pay twenty two bucks for a plate of pasta that you don't cost them three, maybe. Um, don't insult me by cutting a plate of pasta in half because you, you can still buy a pound of pasta for a buck and a half. I mean, we, yeah, and a buck and a half is up. Yeah, a buck and a half used to be you know a dollar on sale or maybe a dollar fifteen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the restaurant margins usually. I mean, if it was you know ten dollars before, they were probably still still making around you know anywhere between five or ten percent. Trying or that's the goal. So well, you're talking you're talking gross margin. I'm talking about if you were a a cost accountant and sale count. What is what is the ingredients on that plate cost? I'm going to say there's places now that are six to one, and I'm going to say people they used to be three three and a half to one. You disagree? So I'm, I'm, I'm lost in the maybe I'm a little lost in the terminology. I'm thinking if they were making uh, five to ten percent. Back then, you know, they're still trying to make the same thing on whatever whatever the input costs were. They're still maybe it's a little well, less now. Seeing, just because the prices you, are. You higher. fortunately did not spend years doing cost accounting. There's two levels here. If you're going to get a five percent margin on your your, in other words, if if series did a million dollars in a month, right? Okay, and they made a hundred grand. That's a ten percent margin, right? Okay, but that, but that's a that's gross. That's that's if uh, they gave you a hundred thousand dollar bonus, that would be in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which would be nice. You could buy us breakfast or something. But the uh, what I'm saying is, the actual cost of putting something on the plate versus you what you pay for. Now, obviously, you're paying for your fanny in the seat. You're paying for the ambiance. You're paying for all that stuff. I get it. But it, the the actual cost of what you're getting. In other words, you guys buy a seven up for twenty five cents. And you charge somebody three bucks. Well, guess what? You know that's that's what is it? Twelve to one, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're not getting that on wine. You're not getting that on booze. You might. You probably are getting it on draft beer. At least some of them. But I mean, when you start talking about a, a plate of pasta and cutting back on the amount of noodles, there's too many input costs to really do it that way. Uh, if, if you if you you'll get lost in everything because the prices fluctuate. My so. uh, my buddy restaurant Al. Because uh, he ran the the uh, burger place by me with a high end burger joint, the Buffalo Burgers and all the other stuff. He had an Italian place. He said the highest his they didn't have steaks or anything there, so that that's put a different tone on things. I said the highest uh, per cost item he had was the linguine with clam sauce, because they would put four or five real clams on the thing in addition to the stuff that was in there. Because their cost per plate was four fifty. And they charged twenty two fifty. This is four years ago, before COVID. Right. And he said everything else was under three bucks. The, the Alfredo sauce and all the other crap was all only because they put those clams in there. He said it was all most of them were under four dollars, and all the pasta dishes were at least twenty. So that's five to one. I don't think you can get. I don't think you can go much more than five or six. And people saying, "What are we? Do, what am I doing here?" 
Just saying. Yeah, that's that's big. But then when you look at it from an operating perspective, you've got the other stuff. Sure. And you get lost in that. So your food costs have to be, or you try to target a food cost, you try to target a drink cost, you try to keep your uh, fixed costs in in utilities at a certain place. But, you know, the only really one you can control is, say, the selection of, of what you're buying. So I don't know. And the margins, you all... You always kind of want a little bit at the at the end, and you try to manage that. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. But the food costs, you know. Well, Janet, tell me, I'm not, I'm not trying to dissuade. If somebody spends two million dollars on and fifty of the best TVs on earth and the most comfortable seats and everything else, obviously, if you go there, you have to pay for that, not just. But what I'm saying is, is at some point, the the head of White Castle years ago came out and said. The biggest thing in the restaurant business right now is the spread between what you pay at a restaurant for food and what you can make it for at home. Because we're, we're reaching a level of where we can't go much further. And that was before COVID. But at some point, you got to say, wow, you know. It, I mean, granted, if I'm going there to meet you guys for a drink and watch three basketball games on three major TVs, that's what I'm paying for. Right. But, but it almost reaches the point where, actually, it's a lot like, a lot like our business, Greg and Jen. And at some point, when the, when the, when the prices, uh, when there's no you know no cost to do a trade, and everybody wants to trade for free, that's fine. We, let, let, let's go that route. But now, and we're not set up for this, nor would I probably ever want to do it. Okay, if that's the case, I'm going to be like John Flanagan, and I'm going to say, if you, and I'm saying you, John, because you're an attorney, the minute you talk to me, it's 150 bucks. I'll talk to you for 15 minutes about a trade, and we won't charge anything for the trade. But you got to pay something somewhere. And I'm saying it's almost at a point where the people who spend that kind of money for the for the bar, and I'm going there to, with five of my buddies or ladies or men to watch the game, it's almost at a point where if you just charge me 20 bucks to come in, then charge me fair prices for the chow. I mean, I'm saying it's, it's almost at a point where you can't get your money back by charging $40 for a plate of pasta. Because people look at it and go, what the hell? I mean, That's the spread that you're talking about yeah. between what, what it takes at home versus yeah. when you go out. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, people push it, you know, you, you push it one way or the other. I mean, clearly it's, I mean, I know, my, again, my restaurant buddy, I keep quoting the poor guy, um, they were struggling in this place because whenever he started, he couldn't have a, uh, what, dishwasher used to make 10 bucks an hour, and then all of a sudden they wanted 12 right? So Al's telling me he couldn't, he couldn't hire anybody. And I said, well, what are you paying? He says, well, 10 bucks. I said, well, what if you paid 12 Well, then I could hire somebody. But then now, now all of a sudden I can't make any money. I said, well, if you knew you had to pay 12 would you have signed that lease? And he looked at me and he goes, well, hell no. So it's just a question of kind of who gets their money first. That's Right. You know, it, I mean, uh, if, if, if everybody knew how much you had to pay the guy at the lower end of the totem pole, maybe last year the guy at the top wouldn't have got the million-dollar bonus. I mean, right? There's... There's a million million ways as money flies around. Yeah, definitely, especially in stuff that's got a lot of variables and, yeah. and prices going up and down. Um, you you try to maintain that if if your costs actually go way up and you're you're maintain the margin, um, you're making more just by definition. So that might actually, you know, convince you to go to oh we can do four percent or something. Uh, depending on, you know, what happens, but, but, 
if you have that five percent then you're generally pretty happy if you get to 10 you know you're you're one of the best operators but um it's a lot harder to do with with just one item so if you go to just the menu you know you can increase whatever but then you got to take a look at labor and then you got to take a look at the the what you're paying for detergent or whatever for oh god yeah like that that's the kind of stuff where you just want to know what kind of margin you want on each and then work with what's going up and what's going down and try to blend it so that ideally whatever revenue you have you can target the profit well what um let's get back to uh i mean i'm I'm quizzing john here but obviously greg you have an opinion as well is there any chance um, I'm going to say no, but I'm not leading a witness. Is there any chance at this election? From what I understand, Val's did a lot of stuff in New Orleans with charter schools and stuff, and he's a big fan of them. Obviously, the CTU is not. Uh, is there any chance we could have somewhat of a debate as to whether or not the charter school program here, and one of the guys in the building, his kid goes to most charter schools, the kid loves it, he's doing real well. That doesn't mean that I'm going to blanketly uh, endorse charter schools over regular schools, but is there any chance we could have a debate based on, now that they've been around a while in a bunch of cities, based on real numbers, or is it totally going to dissolve into a racial thing? I fear it's going to be, you know, very divisive. It's the sort of debate we should have, Tom, and I don't, I don't, you know, charter schools have issues too because they're often run by, you know, those who are seeking profit only, and they're as callous and as uninterested in the final product maybe as the teachers and the school board is too. Um, I, I do think that there's got to be some way of destroy, destroying the system we have because the more the longer it lingers on, on um, it's doing such damage to the city's ability to recruit you know, people to come here to improve its image and to discourage people from leaving. I mean, the, the schools, I think, have become the biggest reason why people don't want to stay and why they don't want to come. And when you've got something that toxic to try to rebuild a city that's taken such a hit, um, you've got to consider blowing the whole thing up. And I don't think you know, there's, there's, there's nobody on the left that is interested in that, it seems, at this point. But i, I got to tell you, when I was listening to Brandon Johnson's speech last Tuesday, and then found another speech of his at the AFT's convention in Pittsburgh in 2018, it was the same speech. And to me, this this is clear indication that you know, the teachers' union sees it as us versus them. Always, it's us against the opponents of unions. It's oh yeah, us, oh, yeah. us against the administration, and it's it's pitting people against each other. And we're we've always got the moral superiority here, no matter what. And I listened to the the speech at you know at Pittsburgh, and I I was an AFT delegate several times. I was president of an AFT local here in Illinois. I know how these things work and I know what the members are there to do. Um, and it's always about, you know, we never get the credit that we do. We never get paid what we're you know, worth. And it's, it's these enemies all around us that we have to defeat. And I'm sorry, but, you know, transferring that into a political arena in a mayoral election, who is the enemy? <laughs> I mean, the enemy seems to be the taxpayers, oh yeah, the yeah. Ones who, who aren't you know coming up with, with what the tech, the teachers, and everybody else is, is expecting them to come up with, and we've got to bleed them dry. And 
I'll tell you, in a, a city that's dying because of its terrible schools, this is the last people you want to run on the show. Well, you got. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of accountability issues, and I, mean, I don't I don't use the term the same way uh, every politician uses it. We've we've done a lot of stuff in the uh, from the schools from back when I think they did work. Okay, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, when Audrey comes on next time, we you know, we'll ask her about all he went. To, Audrey went to Kelly High, you know, which had God knows two thousand kids when she was there. Place open, got off in the morning and closed late, and there was going different hours. Well, there was the you know there was the college prep part, there was the uh, trade school part, there was all kinds of stuff, all kind of in the same place. And to a certain extent, you know, I went to Marist, and Marist had a an honors program, an academic program, and a general program. I mean, there were people who were college prep, people who want to be college prep, um, or you know, I don't want to say we're capable, maybe we're both that or whatever. So, but everybody was in the same place same neighborhood and you were expected to quote get along now the school years ago decided well we're going to make these certain schools magnet schools and the first one was like Whitney Young and then it was but we're going to take the best students and we're going to somehow let those guys leave the neighborhood like and then we're going to which is okay then you're but then you're left with who's left where okay then now the, the smart kids or the kids that want to do something don't go to Tilden anymore, don't go to Kelly anymore, but then all of a sudden now you lose your, for some reason now you lose your other programs, your welding program, your mechanics program. All this stuff has kind of gone downhill to the point, John, where if you look at what the, 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 the public schools have done themselves, somebody, somebody should be able to go in, whether you get five from this group and five from that group, and say, what over the last 25 years have our, of our policies contributed to this. I mean, to the point where if you just land in a neighborhood tomorrow and you're going to go to Inglewood, yet every kid in Inglewood who can read and write is long gone from Inglewood and they're going to Limbloom or some other place, well, that's a problem. You know, I mean, I mean, what what have all the, the, the policy changes, no matter whose idea they were, here's the 20 things we've done in the last 30 years, how have they worked out? And I think you're going to find that half of them are horse bleep. Not because anybody intended them to be that way they just worked out that way and, and, and so and the, so somebody the teachers union has to prove to me that at 20 grand a kid somehow in these areas not saying an individual teacher screwing off not saying anything like that somehow or another people feel that they're not getting their money's worth and it's a really tough argument that to blame everybody else and there are a lot of blaming around parents drugs you name it why if that number is, is suddenly 30,000 tomorrow that everything will be okay without any other change. I mean, it, maybe the number does need to be 30. I don't know, but, but you got to prove it to me. you got to tell me what would change. Now, if you were going to say, if the number's 30, we're going to have classes for the parents at night. We're going to have drug interdiction stuff. We're going to have uh, all kinds of things we're going to do to maybe get half the kids that are on drugs now off. I'm talking about the ones in class. I mean, if, if there's some new reason, some possibility... That this could this stuff could actually work, and we're going to try it in a three or four school area for a year or two and see what happens. John, I'm all for it. The idea just wing me more money, give me a raise. I, I'm not going down that road at all. And if that puts me, you know, with the right wingers in town on this particular subject, you know what? I guess that's where I am. I, you know, what can I say? The, the thing I've I've discovered, you know, which you know is I think part of the problem, 
these local you know school administrations with their principals and their staff and so on have tremendous power to uh, you know acquire and keep the faculty that they want and to get rid of the ones they don't and that doesn't mean that this is all based on merit or teaching ability either it means that if you've got a, a crooked principal and you find you've got a teacher at your school who's on to you and knows what you've been trying to do and there's been you know, publicly you know trumpeted cases of this in chicago in the last year um you get rid of that person and you get somebody who's a lackey who will shut up and not, not go blow the whistle on you but in the, in the eyes of the union all of these employees are the same whether they are you know keeping crimes you know, under lock and key or they're you know trying to fight them it doesn't make any difference to the union no, no one faculty is better than another or a staff member and you look at it from the standpoint of, of the administration there doesn't seem to be any kind of quality control for what's happening in these schools until it comes out in paper and you got people going to prison so i mean i don't want to just come down on the leadership of the union as being solely no. responsible for what's wrong here because the, the school board has misspent so much un, 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 unbelievable amounts of money in maintaining a bad system and permitting fraud to do shortcuts around it that it's it's there's no way that's going to work either well, i live on one side of the street here in chicago i'm in a school district for the elementary school that is fairly decent from what, everything i can find out across the street those people send their kids to a school that is not so great and there's constant efforts to get people to lie about you know, who's living at your house so that I can get my kid going to this school and not the one that he or she is forced to by their address. And that isn't right. Why should there be that kind of disparity between two schools where the only thing separating you is what side of the street you live on? Sounds like a um, proper opportunity for you. Yeah. Well, it, it is profit opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, there's profit in keeping some schools bad and others good. There's, there's well, definitely... That, I'm going to ask a really, really stupid question, and I know this is this is going to be like a fart in church to some people. Today I'm beating up on the left. Tomorrow I'll beat up on the right. I'll, I'll keep this even. Uh, if you send, we in, can take it down. Yeah, if, 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 if you send a a welfare check to some lady, sends her kid to school, and she's uh, just at home all day, why don't you drag her ass into the school and be and sit in class and uh, help you maintain discipline? And by, by the way, she could be learning too. Why don't she come into class so she knows what the kids learning at least? Why should she sit at home? Well, there's a lot of learning to be done. A yeah. lot of education that people missed because of where they came from or where they went to school. Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, and you know that, that's really, I think, the, the spot that the community colleges are in. That's where I spent my time. I, I just saw them doing cleanup work for terribly run elementary and secondary schools. I think some of these, some of these parents will probably need to start in sixth or seventh grade. Well, yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of them, even if they graduated from high school, that's about the, the education level they're at, a lot of them. Well, if, it was a, if there's a class in cell phone management, I belong in sixth grade, so it's not like I'm casting oh, aspersion. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. But, you know, I, a lot of this, I mean, it, it comes down to, it's funny, when I was I was in one of the schools, just briefly, it was over Christmas vacation, John, we were in college. I think it was the, was it the Frasier? Someplace on the west side. And uh, this was the time when people, if you became a teacher, it was a deferment from Vietnam. It was the first time ever. Yeah. Well, first time, I'm not the only time, but I, all of a sudden you had a lot of young male teachers. Well, you never had before, right? They're all women. I'm going to say pretty much all women, right? Right. Especially in elementary school. 
So all of a sudden, you got these guys. So the the uh, principal there, she was controversial, but she was real bright. She was real nice. But she was one of these, you know, Angela Davis, the uh, the you know, the long hair, and when she'd point the finger and the headed kind of wag when she talked. <laughs> but still, she was nice as pie, brilliant, and 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 very effective. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't care what somebody looks like or how they act as long as they do their job. And uh, but I thought she was she was always nice to me. But she'd wa- uh, get a load of this. Uh, you know, Jan and I went to uh, Catholic school, and uh, Greg, I'm not sure where, where you went. Uh, but the I, I never walked into a class, grammar school, high school, where the teacher wasn't there before you. Right. This, these are simple things when you're dealing with kids. That I'm not. I was never a parent, but still, I have a little common sense. If you ever have. Plus, we had 40 kids in a class in those days. So if you ever had 40 kids hanging in there 10 minutes before the teacher showed up, I guarantee you there's going to be chaos when the teacher walks in the door. Right? I mean, it just, it's just the way kids are and where they're supposed to be. Well, Catholic school, that's why the first person in the room was always the teacher. I mean, I, I always thought that. So, of course, these guys, the class starts at 8.30 or quarter nine, whatever it was, and they're all drinking coffee in the cafeteria to like 30 seconds before. <laughs> so this lady would walk in. And she'd go, all right, all you Vietnam War Dodgers, time to go to your classroom. <laughs> and you know what? She was absolutely right. Nobody, nobody could even say she was wrong. So all of a sudden, everybody, everybody trundles down the hall, and sure enough, they open the door, and there's chaos in the room. It takes a while. But, uh, okay, you Vietnam War Dodgers. I'm like, only she could get away with it. But I, I thought, you know what? It probably was... Uh, Politically incorrect, shall we say, John? But it was, it was spot on. It was funny as hell. <laughs> Whatever, just just say it. But uh, whatever happened to her? She was, uh, boy, was, I think I think she might have died young. She was a she was a real up and comer. And uh, unfortunately, I think she got sick or something. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, you know, it takes all kinds. I mean, some schools, the principal and the engineer did an amazingly good job. Other places, kind of sloppy. Uh, you know, sometimes the engineers, you wonder how they how they made it back and forth to work, but. Uh, it was all, but now there's no, there's no even janitors that are c- cities. Aren't there? Isn't there some guy has the contract to provide janitors or something? Yeah, it's all the externally, I think, Tom. And, and we've got whole layers of things now, like the local school councils that were trumpeted, just like the local, you know, police district, you know, councils have been trumpeted this time around in the election. That were supposed to give community input and keep this, you know, schools on the straight and narrow and let them know when they were not doing a good job that's t- turned into nothing but a kind of you know band-aid on the system it, it doesn't seem to have stopped any of the corruption or you know, dirty dealings in the schools um because you get people on these local school councils who aren't aren't really savvy necessarily they don't have had schools in the system or attended that school or ever you know been near the school before it, advising you know you know how the school should be run and that, that isn't what i consider expert opinion by any means maybe it's a good thing to have community you know input but i don't think that's the way to, to get effective community input um so you got all of these bits and pieces of machinery to, to make it look like the school is is running and it's producing and yet the more you dig you realize the whole thing is just kind of a game of cards well and, you, when you disperse the the authority among I and mean, i can't imagine at st john fisher there were two, only two women that were principals when I was there. I can't imagine anybody questioning her with a, with a bunch of parents. I mean, she did something really dumb. Yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd probably go to the, the pastor and he'd boot her out or something. But it, the idea of having... I, mean, I looked at this Jones deal when, they, when the kids showed up in the 
allegedly the Russian army costume that was really a Gestapo costume, and then he did the Heil Hitler. And I mean, if I mean, they, the, the story was that on Halloween, the principal, for whatever reason, <coughs> decided, or the school decided, to have kids be able to parade up and down in their Halloween costumes, which I would never do, John. I mean, no. I mean, would, would, that, unless you're asking for trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the idea of wearing a Halloween costume to school in the first place—I don't. Why didn't anybody think of that? But you know, so I mean, don't you understand how kids are made? We were all. Wasn't everybody a kid at one time? Don't you remember what it was like? I mean, the idea was to get attention. So this kid does this the uh, Heil Hitler thing. All of a sudden, it's all over every paper. The school council is meeting at night. What are we going to do? The principal didn't handle it. No, but I mean, why didn't somebody in class say, "Go, go home and change that outfit"? What's the matter with you? Well, how'd the parent let him out the door in an outfit? I mean, there, is, is, there, is there any common sense barrier any place along the line? So I don't know what happened. I think the principal ended up getting relieved. And, and if there was, of course, the Channel 7 was interviewing kids and how they're all getting panic attacks and they saw this happen. Come on. As know. a slacker, I I immediately think to, you know, take it in the backpack. You, you, leave, you leave home just normal and then you take it in your backpack. You change it at school. Oh, God. That that's just you know my initial. Are you like one of the? Uh, God. <laughs> well, the kids aren't dumb. You know, they you know, know who, they're gonna. They you know, know, know what who, they're doing. Yeah, you know who does that is the is the young ladies that go to uh, that are like sixteen when they go to. Right, they're not dumb. They, they don't want to get in trouble before they even get their laughs in. All of a sudden, the 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 part that used to cover the body is now in the backpack, and the, right. the new outfit is at uh, Lollapalooza. Right. How many of those were? How many girls were changing in your bathroom? Or in the year? train, and the, in the bathroom, where, wherever, but you don't give it away when you're leaving home. <laughs> the only time I ever wore my Halloween costume to school was Halloween 1957 when I was in kindergarten, but you had to dress as a saint. So that was kind of an interesting cavalcade of people. You had Susie Troublemaker, you know, all the school year dressed as St. Elizabeth of Hungary. <laughs> Oh God! If you're Maybe in high school, you know. So what? What saint did you pick? I don't even want to ask. I was Saint Anthony, oh and my brother was too. So we had twin Saint Anthony. My mother didn't want to make two separate costumes, so we went Franciscan robes. Oh God! Anyone go with Saint Patrick? I got the pictures now. You didn't go. They were going to boot Saint Patrick for a while, right? <laughs> Say he wasn't yeah. a saint. They did boot the the, the patron saint of my parish, Saint Felicitas. She's apocryphal now. And the school and the church is closed too. I got one quick. We got a dash here. Of Nancy on in a second, but what what is with this St. Patrick's Day thing? We went to try to go to Fox's Irish Pub Saturday night. St. Patrick's is in two weeks. What, what are we doing? We it's the St. Patrick's kind of like a movable feast time. <laughs> it's to get it's to get maximum concentration of the celebrations. I think for for the sake of the police. So now the next week is the uh, Saturdays is the city parade and Sundays the Irish or the South Side. Yeah, never the same. Yeah. And then and the, the and St. Patrick's Day is not until a week from Friday. Yeah. So what I if think I, it really it does have to do with you know, the, the level of police protection they think they need and how they want no interference. They don't want to do it on a weekday. So can um, I count on you to where we actually go get a corned beef sandwich on St. Patrick's Day? On the 17th? Yeah, like, oh, the 17th. You know what we got to do some here? Put it on our bucket list? We got to go to the parade in New York. It's still on the 17th. Imagine that. <laughs> I think in Savannah, Georgia, it's still a suit. That's the, supposed to be the biggest one in the country. And from what I've seen of it, it is. Really? It's bigger than New York? Well, yeah, right, Jan, a thank huge you. Irish population in Savannah. Well, I'll t- talk to you later in the week, but SPV is now up 8, and as if he's up 48, we're quick in this market a little bit. Be right back, Miss Nancy.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord, we're back. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Matt Burn on the board. SP Futures. Up nine now, Nasdaq was up 46. We just kind of kicked it up a little bit. We're uh, the uh, like I said, we've got the Fed talking this week. We got the labor numbers on Friday. Dow futures are only up eight. There's hardly anything moving. The down. We got Apple up 266. Well, that's moving. Uh, rest of the stuff. Uh, Salesforce down 93. Had a big week last week. We've got Visa down 56 cents. So nothing. Most of it's green though. So I'm surprised the futures are only up 10 actually. Uh, <clears throat> and the individual stocks going to be doing better than that. DAX up 71.5%, FTSE down 42.5%, CAC around up 24.3% as the FTSE's the, the negative guy over there. We're not sure why that is. Asia, we got some some uh, rallies. Nikkei up 310. It's 1.1%. We've got the Hang Seng up 35.1%. Shanghai down 6. Call that unchanged. Friday, big day. Dow was up 387. S&P up 64. NASDAQ up 226. We've got the bonds. Uh, down five basis points, 3.91. It, it just crossed over four on Friday until the Fed person came out and said we might pivot and it ran the other way and the market shot up. Uh, Bullion down six basis points, 2.65. Japan stuck right at this 0.50. We've got oil down a buck, 78.67. Rent down a buck, 10.84.73. Natural gas down 38 cents, 262. 
Our Bob down two cents, two seventy-two. We've got gold, a little bit of a rally, over eighteen fifty, up three twenty, eighteen fifty-seven. Silver up uh, two cents, twenty-one twenty-five. Copper down a penny, four oh five. We've got crypto, Bitcoin up twelve bucks, twenty-two thousand four twenty-three. Still, you know, reasonably high there, but under the twenty-three-five it was last week. We have the U.S. dollar, a mixed. It's a uh, it's uh, down a little against the euro. It's up a little against the pound. We got the pound at 120, and we've got the euro at 1.065. Kind of where it's been for a while. Yeah, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Uh, 7:38 a.m. on March 6, 2023. Weather this morning in Chicago: mostly clear skies. Right now, 43 degrees. A high of 57 later on. Tomorrow and Wednesday, we're looking at sunny skies. Expect a mix of rain and snow on Friday in the early morning. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, 49 degrees currently, a high of 71 later on. Tomorrow, sunny skies for now and the rest of the week. Yesterday in the NBA, Bulls played Pacers and lost 125-122. to uh, Bulls back on Wednesday against uh, Nuggets in Denver. Game starts at 8 p.m. Good the luck NHL. with that one if you can't feed in the air at home. <laughs> yeah, if, if not that, what? I don't know. Uh, in the NHL, Blackhawks to play Senators tonight. Game starts at 8 p.m. at United Center. Uh, and of course, in men's college basketball, yesterday, Illinois State versus Purdue. Purdue won out at 76-71. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. What would they have to pay you to go to that hawk game tonight? Me? Uh, give me like 50 bucks. I I, I, I'd have to be more for me. I, I, I don't want to <laughs> How much is a ticket? I think how much oh, is a ticket? tickets are huge. Was it like $200, $300? Oh, yeah, depending on where they are. All right, pay me pay me 400 300 for the for the ticket, 100 to keep. No, I mean, home. give me the ticket. I want another 200 to go. Oh, I see. So you're, you're, this it's is kind of a fantasy world almost. Well, it's a, well I mean, it's they, they trade away everybody. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of going? Do we have Nance? We do indeed. Nancy, how are you? Good. How are you? Okay. I haven't seen you in, uh, since yesterday. That is true. I saw you yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, earlier on in the show, I don't know if you were listening, but I was going to press you and Audrey into service. I wanted to. We're talking to Greg, because Greg's in the restaurant industry in addition to being a trader. Uh, we're talking about how across the board, prices are up somewhere between 30 and 40% since before COVID in, in every restaurant, pretty much. Uh, and I was going to say, it would be interesting yesterday if we all were to take, uh, of course, I don't know if we could ever talk Audrey into doing anything I wanted her to do, but it's possible. Uh where we where we we could sit down and uh, go from table to table and be a, a total pain in the ass and just interview everybody as to how they're dealing with it because there's obviously they're obviously out for breakfast. And I was saying I wonder if we'd find people who said we used to go to dinner two nights now we go to dinner one night and breakfast one day, or as people that said we used to go on Saturday and Sunday now we just go on Sunday, or people say. I made some money, much money short in the market last year. But I got all kinds of dough. I don't care. But I mean, it's sometimes I think Nancy, you and I have talked about this. Sometimes you know you forget in economics if you think you're how can I say this politically correctly? I can't. If you think you're a big shot and got it all figured out, you can look at these gross numbers and get on TV and, and, and pontificate about what people are doing, or you can talk to people themselves. And add it all up from the bottom. And I've always been a get the people on the bottom and add it all up instead of look at the top numbers and just assume what everybody's doing. What do you think you'd find? I mean, you're you're close to the people in that area. How do you think people are dealing with it? Or just or you, we might find somebody who, has, who says between the two of us we have five public pensions. We don't care. I mean, <laughs> there's a shot. But what do you think the average person might say if there's such a thing as an average person? 
I think, I think the average person would say that they, uh, if they had to do it over again, they would have taken, you know, a job with the pension because no one had any idea that the value of your money, I mean, I, that the value of your money is not going to be, is not going to buy you what it did, does today. I know, personally, I've stopped um, going, eating out as much. I've even stopped, um, like I would always stop for pop somewhere. And now even I will, I've gone out and bought a Contigo. I put my ice in it and I carry it with me. And I carry extra water in the car and stuff so I can keep refilling. So it's just little stuff like that you're doing just to try and um, save a little bit. That's all. And it, 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 you may not save anything. Maybe it's a waste. But every time you turn around, someone's taking more out of your pocket. So obviously you've got to do less. What the... It, breakfast is now like at an average 20. Yeah. Dinner well, could be anywhere it, per person. Dinner could be 35 to 40. If a couple of glasses of wine are in there, it's 40 easy. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, people have to look at this realistically and say, I have to cut back. Because if you keep charging, um, that doesn't really work that well either If in the long run. Because you're, you're paying a higher interest rate now. I mean, all of it, it just keeps tumbling. It's a domino. It just keeps coming, coming down. What do you think? So, I mean, you're, the people you talk to, because Nancy's in the, in the mortgage business, and she's spectacular what she does. Because uh, you know her client is her client, and she's like a terrier, making sure the client gets the best deal. I honestly believe that. I mean, you and Audrey, as much as I can argue with both of you guys, I mean, you're both of you are the best at what you do. I mean, I'll never, ever say anything against that, uh, even though we might disagree on like everything else. But that's just the way things are. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> what we saw that yesterday morning. Yes. Oh, I know. I know. It's a, a uh, whatever. Just, yeah, right. Interesting. That's all you can say. Whatever is good. Let's yeah, move whatever. on now. <laughs> well, let's move on. The uh, let's just say we have a trumper amongst us, um, and leave it at that. Uh, sort of like Ditka, you know, if uh, Ditka was coaching the Bears with one last year, and now they didn't have any players. I'm just saying. But the uh, you think Southside people, which are when I, when I, I mean, this is not a disparaging term; it's more of a complimentary term, but it's also can be somewhat disparaging in the sense that most people don't realize unless you traveled a lot which I haven't or actually were stuck learning this stuff which I unfortunately did that a lot of what happens to you is is based on policy based on your currency and even though you all you have is the dollars in your pocket that's all you've ever known it's all I ever knew uh, you never actually look at the price of a beer doubling you assume that the guy in the restaurant raised the price of the beer. You never really think for a second that maybe your government, through policy, degraded the dollar in your pocket. Right? It's just that not. Correct. It's just not it's, anything that anybody. It's not a, a knee-jerk kind of reaction, Nance. But my I guess my question is, there are a lot of people, and the South Side's more of a conservative. I don't mean this. I don't mean this politically. I mean just conservative acting sort of people. Do you think people have sort of figured out, or they don't want to see it that? If you had a million dollars savings in the bank and, you know, you didn't you didn't put it in the market and make money and all the other kind of crap you could have done, I suppose, or last year shorted the market, do you think that the it's dawned on them that the on them the million dollars is now worth seven hundred? Absolutely not. They think Absolutely it they realize 
stuff has gotten higher, but do you think the flash went off and said, Jane and Joe, uh, your million dollars, look me in the eye, is now worth 700 and your government no. did that to you? No, absolutely not. No one, I really believe, uh, thinks that way. They just feel this is uh, something that is happening and we've got to, you know, just endure. It's not, no one has ever taken it to the next steps as to what really causes. They just think that, like you're saying, you go to the bar and it's twice as much, yeah, prices have gone up. Go to the grocery store, yeah, prices have gone up. And they keep looking for more economical ways in which to make it all work. Yes, I, um, I don't expect <clears throat> the, the whole world to have sat in a Milton Friedman class like me and going to a school that was a monetary school, but why do you think that the entire population of, we're talking about people that are pretty damn bright, own their own businesses, that manage to hire people, and obviously do an awful lot. They're smarter in a lot of ways than me. They design this, they design that, and they've made money and their family and run a business. And <clears throat> Why do you think that educationally across the sphere that more people don't realize that the inflation is not the cause of your, of your supermarket, it's the cause of your government? Boy, you know, that's that's really tough because I, boy, I can say this, like, my grandparents used to say, like, how bad it was, right? And and we were just kids running around not even understanding what they were talking about. And my parents would be like, oh, you know, here they go again, right? Yep. Then my parents started with that. And as the kids, we helped them out. So we're, we help that generation and we help the generation behind us, okay? I don't think it's really going to hit home until you get to the, the next generation because they're just not going to have it no matter what and they don't even know how to earn it. I think that the baby boomer generation just keeps finding ways to either cut back or make more money and they don't really realize what the, the issue is. They just know what they have to do. What does... What does the spread, the, it's like, and I remember Nance, when we were young, they'd say it's like silly putty, you squeeze it here and it pops out some other place. Yeah. I mean, in, the big change in, I'll say, probably our generation, not our parents, the big change in our generation is the the lack of uh, keeping up with income, and Carl says this all the time, was totally taken over, and people don't even realize this for some reason. I mean, I guess they do if they thought about it, but you went from one person to family working to two. And right, that's, and that's how just comp- what you have to do. That's, but that's how that's how families maintain the the two car in a house. Now the house is probably nicer than their parents had, but their parents had a house and a car, one person working. And now all of a sudden, you were the one to turn me on to as you do mortgages for people. And Nance never talks out of school, other than generality, saying that you come across a lot of people now where the guy's working as an accountant, the lady's working somewhere as a nurse. I'm not saying that those you know, male male female jobs could be the other way around. And all of a sudden, whoever the accountant might be doing taxes on Saturdays, so they're actually working one and a half jobs, and the other person's working one. So now we're up to two and a half jobs per family when it used to be one. And now right. we're reaching the thing of it is, we can't go any further. We can't have five jobs per family unless we start putting the kids to work at age eight or something. Uh, we're, almost, we're, we're at the edge of the rate. People are going to have to start making enough to live at, I think, at some point here. Right, but that's a... 
I guess everybody has to live and figure out what the solution is for them. And in what you're talking about, I don't know what the solution is because pol politics is a subject they're, they're, they say they work for the people and they dedicate their lives to the people, but are they really? Oh, then the answer is no. They're, I mean, I, I've never seen anything that's controlled by a few people as right now. I mean, I mean, they, I mean the people at Tesla, when, 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 uh, Musk decided to buy Twitter and had to cash all that stock in. They gave him more stock bonuses. Almost, I mean, they they, they weren't worried about doubling the doubling the the worker the workers' wages on the line. And what percentage of the money of that 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 place pays out in salary does that guy get? <laughs> but at Pullman, it probably was a, a thousand to one percent the chairman's got. You know, it's just anyway. What? How do you how do you deal with the fact? Just on a general level, not individual people, with the housing price. Plus, it's not, I don't think it's as bad in Orland as other places. When I say Orland, the southwest area where you want to do most of your work, even though you guys will do stuff anywhere. How do you deal with the fact that the the average housing price, especially now that the rates are up as high as they are now, that only 10% of the population, if that, can actually afford it? And yet you manage to get people in houses. Is it because two people are working? Is it because they have a big down payment? And How do you do it? You find You find a way to get them in by pointing out what, how they can cut back in other areas. And, and in some cases, they have to learn how to reprogram their behavior. But yeah, like yesterday afternoon, I finally got home and I said, gee, I can sit down and the doorbell rings and it's a past client who said, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should sell my home, da-da-da-da-da. And we discussed the situation. Well, that's where you need a much bigger, fiercer dog than two you have. No, 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 and, and and we sat down and we went over what the issues are, and it's it's really, I pointed out to her, her whole, like, let's just say her whole payment all in is $1,300, and I said, okay, so let's say we sell the house, and then you get this chunk of cash, you know, because what you paid for it versus now, you're going to walk away with whatever the, the equity increase is. And I said, okay, now let's say you go to rent, just you and your you and your husband. Now take all the you know grandkids with you and all the other people that are living in your house. You know, family members that are not carrying their weight. Uh, Freeloading. <laughs> so if you do that, I said, what's going to change? Because let's look at rents. So I went to the computer and showed her what rents are. And she was like, oh, my God. I said, it could actually cost you more than $1,300 a month to rent. Yeah, except the people would be gone. <laughs> Correct. I said, and so I pointed that out to her, and I said, the food no. bill, The food bill would be way down. Right. But, but, like I said to her, that all of that is true, okay? But the reality of it is these are still family members. It's still family who have nowhere to go. Uh, are they still going to show up and now you're going to be in a two-bedroom apartment? How does that help anything? So I said, I, I, I honestly, truthfully, I told her, I said, I would stay there and make rules and say, if you can't follow these rules and you can't contribute, you know, X amount of dollars to the rent and you think it's better somewhere else, a lot of people are renting rooms in their homes right now. As crazy as that sounds. Well, my grandmother always had a border. Right. Okay, but yeah. usually people had their own entrance and exit. That's not even the case anymore. People are just using the, the same kitchen, and then most uh, some people have as many as two unknown 
people living in their house. By unknown, I mean non-related, and um, charge them rent. And if I said, and if they don't pay their rent, then they have to go, and she just gets two more. She doesn't know these people, and they're men. Remember the uh, the movie your Daddy Erstead still, right? I you know I never saw that movie. Oh God, you got to! I thought it was too spooky. Oh, you got to see that. It's, it's, but anyway, the guy became a boarder to see what America is really like. This is what my grandmother did. She cooked breakfast, lunch, dinner for the guy. Well, not lunch. He was at work. Breakfast, dinner for the guy. He had a boarder all the time. She had six kids and a boarder. It was very, it was very common. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I. So the real problem is the family situation where you, you think you can just, you know. Um, pay as you go. Pay when you feel like it. Pay, you know, I, I have this problem. And I said, and what you have to do is take the money that you and your husband pay out for the food and say, okay, I'm going to pay the, the mortgage with this. And then turn and say to the kids or these other members that if um, we just won't have food in the house. Or you can do the uh, the other way and I could take them to the restaurant depot and buy a 50-pound sack of rice and a 100-pound sack of potatoes and say, have at it. Yeah, I, I mean, but she left and she said, you know, you got some good ideas. And I said, I don't have the answers. I really don't. I try and just offer some solutions so that you can figure out where to go forward. Because selling the house is really not the answer. Well, if you could At sell least- it, if you could find a time of the day, sort of like when you have squirrels in your in your attic, you wait till they're all out and you put a gate up. So if you, <laughs> if you, if you could wait till they're all out, if nobody's working, they're probably not all out at one time. Quick, get the movers, get everything the hell out of there, change all the locks, and, and leave no forwarding address. That way you can do it, pull it off. Right, but she's not going to do that. No. I, I mean, she wants to have a relationship with these people. Because I asked her, what, what kind of relationship do you want to have with them going forward? And she wants it to be, you know, very very much like it is now. But you you have to put some some guardrails up around you and say, hey, look, I'm going to take my money and pay the rent. So I mean the mortgage, so that we do not get in trouble for that. The second thing we're going to pay, make is the car payment, right? And then you guys are going to be responsible for the gas, the water, the food, the Texas, cable. Yep. They've already had the cable shut off. So I said, there you go. Well, you know, and if they the don't num- like it, too bad. Well, the hard number thing that we're kind of dancing around here, uh, Nancy. I never thought I'd have this discussion again. It was in 2007, before that whole fiasco happened. Uh, your buddy and my significant other and I were having this discussion, and it's always a you know buy a home type of a person being in this industry. So I get this article when I was reading it to her. It had to do with at the time, housing prices. The average got to two thirty five, or the mean, me, uh, the medium, and then they went back down to what one sixty after that. Now they're way back up to four hundred or something. So at two thirty five in two thousand and seven, this guy went through the Chicago area. Eighty five percent of the people you needed. If somebody gave you the down payment, you needed eighty grand, eighty-five thousand dollars a year to make the mortgage, the taxes, and all the other stuff. Said so only ten or fifteen, fifteen percent of the population made eighty-five grand. If you were a nurse, you made forty. If you were, uh, if you did something else, you were twenty-five. Food service, you were twenty. Uh, just a, somebody working in a business downtown, you were forty. If you were in a hospital, not a doctor, but it was a good job, you had sixty-five. So essentially. Single people, single income families, or single uh, people, only 15% of the people could afford the median house. And that dog doesn't fly. Uh, now, right now, 
and you're in the mortgage business, the numbers are now 400000 The rates are now back up. So I'm going to say for somebody with a down payment to comfortably walk to Nancy and say, plop me in here, you're going to need minimum 150 for that person to get into a $400,000 house. Am I, am I off? And yet I'm going to say very few individuals make 150. I'm going to say less than 10%. So how do you, obviously you got two income families, you got people at extra dough, you got families, parents helping out, you got people working a second job. There's ways people do this, but basically the numbers have them up against the wall. In, in my, now, are you can you confirm that or you say no? I don't think uh, for four hundred thousand. Um, boy, um, that, no, I'm wrong on that. It would be two thirty-five to four hundred is roughly up. Uh, well, the average mortgage b- right now, the average mortgage, okay, back in the time frame you originally mentioned, okay, which was in 2008, 2010, 2012, that, the average mortgage then was $170,000. Yeah. The ag- average mortgage today is $311,000. Well, that's, that's my point then, but people aren't making double what they did back then. No, but they're still surviving by doing all these other things. They're having extended family in there, they're having borders in there. Um, whatever to make it work and no one is saving for tomorrow no one no one is really saving for tomorrow unless they're in a place where um, there's a 401k match other than that most people have nothing left to save so I think the the bigger question isn't what's going to happen to those people going forward what's going to happen when they become ill and they need a facility or something like that, I and I would imagine it's going to go back to the way it was years ago, where you just you know everybody lived together and you had to take care. You know what are you going to do with mom? I mean, you're yeah. going to take care of mom. Mom's got nowhere else to go. Were you? Uh, we got a dash here in a second, but I have to ask you: Were you as stunned as me? Um, Nancy was nice enough to go to. I uh, switched cars this weekend, and she's all happy with her new car. Well, new to her, and. Uh, but you no, know, Audrey deserves it. So do you. You guys, your life is in your car. More so, more so her than you, but she needs something nice. And, uh, you know, she's earned it. I was absolutely floored when she told me that the auto dealer now has a financer for new cars, which you've always knew, or used cars, but they have a financer and that guy for repairs now. Did you ever dream in your lifetime, Nance, there would be a financer for repairs? No. No, we both, when they told us that, we were looking at each other like, wow. I mean, wow. Wow. It's because, and you got to remember, the, um, it's just so, everything is just so expensive, but they actually will finance repairs now. Well, somebody. That is, that that just is a wow. I mean, you got to absorb it first. I was last night, uh. I was one of my, uh, well, I, went to the, I like going on Sunday night. But, well, you know, normally Dan has dinner, my brother, but yesterday he did not. So at the Tripoli, the guy's been on a couple times, I guess. He's a bartender on Sunday night, uh, Scott Benjaminson. He's a, an actor, and he bartends on Sunday. He just likes everybody. He's telling me that his, uh, his father-in-law or somebody is the big Toyota, and somebody snagged the, uh, the uh, catalytic converter out of it, you know, the usual BS. Toyota, it's... Two months to get it, and they want like twenty five hundred bucks to put it in. That's oh a number. 
That's a number for a, for a catalytic converter. I guess you'd have to finance that, most people. Right. What do you, what do, you do? What do you do if you can't drive your car for two months? What kind of, what's the lease on that? I don't know. I, I, I know that the um, uh, woman I know that's at State Farm, I mean, she is up every week saying, um, please make sure you look at what your um, rental is on your car. Because, you know, people usually say, I just need $25 a day or $50 a day. She said, there's no parts. It's... It's you just don't have the car for, you know, five days. It's it's turning into five weeks. Yeah, yeah. And people are screaming about that. She's saying for I don't know an extra buck a month or something, you can get the higher coverage where you get you know more money for the rental car. And she's saying you, everybody needs to do this and get the word out there. Well, and, we got a dash to have a I think had a I forget what year he said. It's relatively new Mercedes, but just out of warranty, of course. His transmission caught. He couldn't get one. It was like a month and a half and twenty five grand or some number. See, I that's a it's, number. It's it's crazy. It's 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 crazy. Well, I and I had a big discussion about, um, you know, buying buying a car. What kind of car do you want to buy? And I said I don't really want a high end car. I want to just be the average Joe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. I don't want anything higher than that because they don't want to pay the expense bill that comes with owning a higher-end car. Oh, God, you couldn't give me a Mercedes for that reason. Anyway, Nance, thank you very much. Thanks, uh, guys. You sound great. Hey, you sound great on the Zoom. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's yeah, I up. didn't know how it would go, but it's, <laughs> it seems like it's working fine. Well, we got to do some other adjustments in terms of the uh, lead-ins and lead-outs on the same line, but we'll, mm. we'll figure that out. Thanks, SP Nancy. Features up 8. Nancy Features up 53. Nice job, Matt. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration?